0: Whatever else about them, at least they show some recognition that things can change. People make New Year resolutions because they want to start doing something they weren't doing before or because they want to stop something or set new goals or whatever. it's, it's saying, yes, it's a new year and it need not be exactly the same as last year. Life changes. Life moves on. And that's true, not just for life in general, but also for the followers of Jesus and their Christian life. And in that passage that Martin read from the First Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul makes that clear twice. See, twice in verse 1 and in verse 10, he says, more and more. I want you to live lives that are pleasing to God more and more. I want you to show love to others in, in the church more and more. There's change, there's progress. And that is done, he says, by... Putting off um, things that are not worthy of Jesus, and we looked at something of that last week, and putting on the life of Christ. now we could think of lots of different examples of that what he might mean by that, put off impatience and become patient, put off greed and be generous, put off pride and take up humility. There's a lot of putting off and putting on. But the examples he chooses in the passage in verses 3 to 8, it was the putting off of sexual immorality, and in verses 9 to 12, the putting on of love for one another. And as the church of Jesus Christ was being established after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. And as the disciples were going into the world, these two characteristics stood out and made a huge impact on the world around them. Amongst the rife sensuality and licentiousness of the of the time, the sexual fidelity of the, the church was a distinctive mark of difference. In a world where there was so much... Um, Disregard for human life, the the care and the, the love of the church stood out. And it's not so very different 2,000 years later. We still live in a society that in many ways are, is obsessed with sexuality. Isn't it? How else do you justify the fact that people use sexuality to sell cars or to sell coffee or or whatever? You know, things that have nothing to do um, with relationships or sexuality themselves. It's because we're fascinated. And also, we live in an increasingly individualistic society, don't we? We have things for ourselves, we do things by ourselves. Now, it's got two sides to that, isn't it? I mean, I'm not old enough to remember, you'll understand. But um, some of you might. Um, People tell me stories of how neighbours crowded into somebody's house to watch the Queen's coronation. You know, not everybody had a telly in 1953, I think, was it? Um, Or was it 52? 52. 53. In the early 50s, when Queen Elizabeth was crowned was 53, she became queen in 52 That's what it was, and the coronation was 53 Not everyone had a telly And so people piled into the neighbour's house to, to watch it together Now, it's not a bad thing Necessarily that everyone now has their own Television, or nowadays Everyone has a television in every room In the house, is what they, seems to be More the case, but as, as we develop that Kind of lifestyle, so the um, events so the opportunities where we quite naturally get together diminish. And we live in a, it's an evangelistic society and so we hear stories of someone being found a long time after they had died because no one had missed them and, and so on. And so they, these two features that Paul um, talks about in these verses, they, they also are around for us today. And he's not dreaming up a couple of examples that he likes or that he thinks are particularly good. They flow out of the nature of God himself. So last week we saw it was God's holiness and purity that set a marker for how his people were to live. And here is the fact that God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit lives in love. And indeed that Jesus said that people would know his disciples were his disciples by their love for one another. It is these that are highlights and central issues of the living out the Christian faith. To be a follower of Jesus is to be in Christ, to be united to all others who are in Christ. And as the Apostle John says in his letter, whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now this love of God for us is not something vague or or an emotional feeling, but something that is particular, marked by sacrifice, by a coming alongside, by giving. Writing on this passage over a hundred years ago, um, James Denny said, Is not love a strong and peculiar word? To describe the feeling you cherish towards some members of the church. Yet love to the brethren is the very token of our right to, to a place in the church for ourselves. He points to something crucial here. He's saying, gosh, does that not sound odd? Is not love a strong and peculiar word to describe the feeling you cherish towards some members of the church? Well, there might be one or two or five or six or whatever that you... you, But generally across the board, is it the case that we're known for being people who love one another? We're used to the language of love. We're used to acknowledging some need for pleasantries. But loving in that kind of particular, specific, committed way that the early church modeled and that Jesus had commanded... Not long after I'd um, moved to Edinburgh my my previous previous charge, I'd only been there a matter of weeks and I was um, visiting a member of the the church who was in hospital. And as I was talking to her, um, this lady walked by who I knew because she was a member of the church and she... um, had been in the nominating committee that had um, approached me, interviewed me, and, and so on, and so on. you're fine, and she stopped, said hello. And, and I introduced her to the, the lady in the, on the hospital bed because uh, the woman who'd been in the nominating committee, she was a, a physio, and she was working in the hospital. And I said, well, you're both members of the same church. And I remember distinctly a kind of, oh, I, and, and moving on. There was nothing else to it. There was nothing else about it for her. It was like saying... Two people go to the same gym. Yeah, well, two people might go to the same gym, but that doesn't mean there's any connection between the two. That doesn't mean they've got anything invested in each other. It doesn't mean anything other than they share a common need, desire, or whatever, to punish themselves. eh, Or whatever it is that... You know, member of that, okay, big deal. But what... These verses in Thessalonians say that that it's to be quite different. The church are not just members of the same organization, not just a club like that, but people, he says, who love one another and love one another in the way that Jesus loved. Now, of course, we can't know and love and have contact necessarily with everybody. And maybe that should be a hint for us that church should not just exist in gatherings of this kind of size, makes it impossible to fulfill um, Jesus' commands. There has to be more to it, surely, if we're going to take Jesus' words seriously. But it's the fact that... very often we don't even care or aim at that. And that's why um, Denny's words just sounded so striking. Isn't love a strong and peculiar word to describe the feeling you cherish towards some members of the church? See, for some folks that wouldn't even cross their minds that that was expected. Now, how has that come about? Well, it's come about very gradually. Over time, the vital life of the body of Christ became replaced by, by rules, by organizations, by the church's compromise with the world. And even though today many of us wouldn't be um, about seeking status and power for the church and society, there's still a prevalent focus on the church as an institution, as an organization. Now, some kind of organisations needed. We have to agree where we're going to meet, when we're going to meet, how we're going to have the music, whether or not there's going to be heating, whether somebody's opened the door, and so on and so forth. Um, Probably needs someone to look after their finances. Even the 12 disciples had a treasurer, Um, but it was Judas Iscariot, so um, just (laughs) don't get, you know, we need that kind of stuff, don't we? We need organization. And there are other things that we might see then as as desirable. On top of that, uh, a magazine. Um, Items are due in on Tuesday, by the way. Um, A magazine. um, Teas and coffees. organization with a syllabus. There's nothing wrong with these things. They're not bad in themselves. The problem comes when they become church. And so the church then is something that we do. Something we create and shape. And in that case, the church can, yes, provide comfort, support people, give us somewhere to go, something useful to do, and so on. But it cannot give the life of God. It cannot give salvation. It cannot forgive sin. And it cannot be about transforming life and character. It cannot bring the life of Jesus to others. That's only possible when God is at work. And so it's the life of God and what flows from his gospel that's the key thing. Not How we do things. And the kind of love that Jesus modeled and taught and that the early church put into practice was not only something that the world could see, but also that was the great recommendation in the world's eyes. They lived out the life of Jesus to such an extent that people could see what Jesus was about. Now that's just what we sang in the last couple of lines of the hymn we finished a while ago. Lead us on the road of sacrifice. Note the word sacrifice. That in unity the face of Christ may be clear for all the world to see. See, that's our calling. That people should be able to look at the church and say, that's what Jesus is like. And what Jesus was like was about making sacrifice. And giving on and behalf of for others. And doing that out of love. And so the exclamation, look at how these people love one another, was quite common reaction to the early church. It was a visible society that was good to be part of, that was life transforming, was an experience of salvation. And it's the absence of that quality of gospel love among her members that holds the church back in today. Our lack of difference from the rest of the communities in which we find ourselves says to the world that the church may not matter very much, that Jesus doesn't matter very much because it doesn't make that big a difference. And the credibility of the gospel will not be rescued by one or two outstanding um, arguments to disprove a closed scientific worldview. It will not be rescued by finding one or two outstanding evangelists, but will be rescued when the church lives out her calling being the people of God, putting off all that is not worthy of Jesus, and putting on the gospel life and lifestyle. Now from verse 10 and following, we see that that love that the Thessalonians had was not just something within their own four-wall fellowship, but was a, a care and a concern for God's work across the world. And in verses 11 and 12, Paul goes on to say that just because we're talking about love in such a way that includes physical sharing and caring for one another, that doesn't mean those of you who think I'm onto a good thing here shouldn't pull your own weight. You should be pulling your own weight, he says. And that's true in the life of church as well. It's not necessary for everyone in a congregation to have an official job title or a role. But all of us who follow Jesus have not only a place, but a part to play. And all of us should be putting off the kinds of things that discredit the gospel. And all of us should be putting on the kind of things that are Jesus-like. And so the question that I mentioned from Denny, is not love a strong and peculiar word to describe the feeling you cherish towards some members of the church? is a question we ought to ask ourselves as we look across, as we look around the room. Do I love other folks here that I would lay down my life for? Other folks here that I would give to and give for unreservedly? For that's what the gospel calls us to, to love as Jesus loves. And that's what he says, verse 9, that we should be putting on. And so we should start working out steps that build up that kind of love, that kind of community. Well, did any of you make New Year resolutions? That's okay, don't tell me. Have it, did any of you make New Year resolutions and you've now broken them before, the, before we're out of the first week of January? <laughs> but no matter. It's not about New Year resolutions. For the church, it's to be a regular and focused resolve to be a Jesus follower. Putting off all that is unworthy of Jesus, but also putting on an active following of Christ. Living the Lord's way, loving the Lord's people, and sharing the Lord's message. Put on love for one another. It's to be done in steps and stages. Now, this might be a surprise to some of you, but... um, when I put on my clothes, um, I put them on one item at a time. You know, it doesn't work for ministers that suddenly you get up and there you are, magically dressed. The stuff goes on one item at a time. It can be quite boring sometimes, can't it? Particularly as you stand in front of the wardrobe, as I'm sure some of you do. Will I wear this? Will I wear that? Could it be such and such? Does this go with. It takes a long time. It's a science, or an art rather. We do it one at a time. And so when the, when the apostle is saying, put on love like that, and, and using that kind of imagery, he's not expecting us to go from um, cold indifference to all-out sacrifice for someone in one step. It's not a case of saying, okay, I now resolve to go from A to Z. <laughs> there are steps to take. Ways to show more involvement, more care, more compassion, more understanding. Because we're not just members of the same club in the way that two folk might both be members of the John Wright gym. We're part of the people of God, the followers of Christ. And Jesus said, the world will know that you're one of my followers by the love you have for one another. So we need that recognition that the organization of church is important, but secondary. Primary is the life of the gospel growing in, through, and among us. It's only there that there is the life of God. It's only there that there's the foretaste of the kingdom. It is only there that there is salvation and new life. Not in what we can do by ourselves, but in what God can do in, with, through, and among his people. And it's not a call simply that we need to be more faithful and more obedient, though it is that. But it's a call and an invitation to discover and taste more for ourselves of the power of Jesus' gospel. So that when Christians step out and and learn to love as Jesus loved others, what they find is it's not just about giving up, it's not just about sacrifice, but also the provision of God, the life of God, more than takes the place of anything that we give up for others. Let us pray.